This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 425. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister. Of course. I, I'm here again. You're stuck. Sorry, guys. But we are stuck with Matthew again. because here's the deal. <laughs> uh, just a little announcement for everybody. Uh, Jacob has made the decision to uh, uh, step away from the podcast and uh, no, this is that's a complete rumor. That's a complete rumor. <laughs> Here <laughs> Although, we go. I'm starting to question where his priorities lie because he seems to not be prioritizing this time for his pot for the podcast each week. Yeah, he's doing Somebody, a lot of stuff though. <laughs> somebody's gonna have to message him and say, "Dude, where are you at?" <laughs> no, guys, just just trust us. Uh, we got a lot going on and. We've actually uh, onboarded a new employee this week. We're looking to hire another person, uh, and uh, just a lot going on. People needing to be trained, and all all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay, so uh, anyway, we got me and Matthew, and today we're talking about the legislative news stories that we do once a month now. Uh, so we got a, a handful of stories here. We'll, we'll discuss today some legislative updates. Not a ton in the news in this last month. I mean, really. I think because everybody's so focused on coronavirus and these, you know, riots and protests and all this stuff that some some of the anti-gun legislation, particularly that we're usually concerned about, is is, is laying low for a while. I know there were some things here in Colorado recently that uh, were defeated essentially, and, and really we know they're just going to try to pick those things up again next legislative session, um, and, and they basically said as much. Uh, some of the uh, state legislators and senators that are backing some of those anti-gun bills here in Colorado, uh, it's, they made they've made their intent pretty pretty well known that yep that stuff's coming, uh, they're going to push for it anyway. So we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens there. All right, so today's episode though, uh, probably the big thing we're going to cover is some stuff that the Supreme Court did not decide to take up. We'll, we'll highlight what that is. Uh, a couple other things too. Some some updates out of Florida, New Mexico, and elsewhere. But first, today's episode is brought to you by CCW Safe. That's our choice for self defense coverage, and uh, we're we're very honored and, and privileged to be a part of the CCW Safe family uh, to be sponsored by them. And we would encourage you if you're looking for some kind of self defense coverage. That's what I that's that's what I've taken to covering it. People talk about self-defense insurance and all this stuff. We're just I just think of it in terms of because not every program is a true insurance program. So I just to me it's all self-defense coverage, meaning that hopefully on the worst day of your life when you got to draw and use a gun in self-defense, you have what it takes physically, mentally, emotionally in that moment to draw that gun, put it on target, make the decision to press the trigger. But then you also have this self-defense coverage piece of it that covers the aftermath, helps you t- helps you clean things up, literally and figuratively. As far as like, you know what? If if you had to use deadly force in your home in defense of your family, and there's a crime scene that needs to be cleaned up after the fact, after the detectives and police and everybody's come and done their investigation, and they've carted away a body and there's blood on the floor, you don't want to be cleaning that crap. 
coverage through com- through a program like CCW Safe. There's included protections for crime scene cleanup and things like that. So just one little known benefit of having self-defense coverage like CCW Safe. Never never mind the legal aspect of it. If there's any sort of legal trouble of any kind whatsoever, uh, then that's what you want having your back is CCW, CCW Safe. So guys, go to ccwsafe.com. Sign up for either their ultimate plan, which I highly recommend, even covers church security situations. If you are a volunteer security person at your church or with your house of worship, the ultimate plan will cover you. Um, But if you want the more affordable plan, we'll then go with the defender or the protector plan in the case of an active or retired uh, military or law enforcement. So, guys, check out CCW Safe and use the coupon code CC Podcast to save ten percent. Also, today's episode is brought to you by Principles of Cover. This is a simple little video that we put together. It'll teach you how to properly use Cover to greatly increase the likelihood of you coming through a self-defense encounter in one piece. Uh, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash POC, as in principles of cover, and learn how you can get that video for a very, very, very low price. So, Matthew, let's get into it. Legislative up- updates. Uh, and uh, to all those of you joining us on Facebook and YouTube, thanks for being here. Uh, also, we encourage you to stick around toward, to the end where we announce this week's winner of our weekly giveaway and just a reminder too, guys, that you can always sign up for the weekly giveaway at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Today, we're announcing the winner of a tactical pen, uh, branded concealedcarry.com one. I've got one right here in front of me. So cool little tactical pen, like a $10 value um, or, or 20. I don't remember exactly, to be honest with you. It's on our site. You can go buy it if you want. But one lucky winner is going to who signed up for the giveaway this last week. That's a revolving door. Every week we reset the, the podcast prize giveaway. So you, you want to sign up every week between Tuesday and Tuesday, basically. So concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. That's correct. Yeah. We got uh, Clover Tech joining us. That's awesome. Thanks for being here and, and others on, on, like I said, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, but everybody's able to participate in the giveaway. Let's jump into this first. Uh, this is actually a press release from Young Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, so there was a um, situation in Florida. And this has happened in other states as well across the country. Some of you have been directly affected by this, where because of coronavirus slash COVID-19 concerns, uh, various states or counties have elected to close temporarily permit processing for concealed carry permits. Uh, in Florida, the whole th- program is is run through the Florida uh, office of, you know, it's, a, it's the Agriculture and Consumer Services Department in the state of Florida. Things here, it's a little bit different than like here in Colorado, where every county sheriff operates things a little bit differently. They have some state mandated, you know, guidelines or rules or laws that they follow. But uh, there's, you know, sometimes little nuances from county to county, depending on where you are and where you're applying for your permit. But in Florida, everything is handled through the through the uh, Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. That whole department decided to shut down permit processing 
in the sunshine state. Well, that's concerning because just because we have COVID and coronavirus stuff going on doesn't mean that the likelihood of someone that has a genuine need even, not that you should necessarily have to have a need. We're going to talk about that issue. That's one of the Supreme Court issues. Um, but, uh, you know, that just because we have this temporary nationwide crisis doesn't mean that people shouldn't have the ability to still arm and carry and protect and defend themselves. But that's what's happened here in the state of Florida. March 23rd, state of Florida completely froze the online application process for concealed weapons licenses. They, they did this citing concerns that Floridians wouldn't be able to obtain fingerprinting and might become frustrated. So we should shut down the online system, even though it's online and likely automated. Yep, makes all kinds of sense. <laughs> Never mind the, you know, you could just put a banner. Hey, you could still submit your application. You may not be able to complete your fingerprinting, but you can submit your application. We'll get you in the queue. Right, right. You know, COVID-19, everybody. <laughs> Little notice on the site, on the page. No, let's just shut the whole thing down. Um, but uh, uh, Young Americans for Liberty, uh, President Cliff Maloney and others putting a lot of pressure on the Florida Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Nikki Fried or Nikki Freed. And uh, they have now finally relented and decided to open things back up. So, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. It's a big win. It's a big win. And, and I know you were talking about it earlier, I think maybe before we started the, the recording, um, about how we select kind of these these stories, especially, you know, this is a local Florida uh, story. And, what you know, kind of so you guys get an idea. I'm, I'm trying to get when I go through stories like this stuff that impacts broadly. There may be other states that are going through similar challenges like this. Um, but when there's a when there's a challenge or a legal decision made, uh, I try to get those that kind of uh, you know, m maybe uh, be a precursor for other states to follow or legislation that, you know, isn't just proposed by some nut job politician uh, that maybe actually signed or about to be, on, you know, on the governor's desk about to be signed into, in, in the law. So that's kind of holds a little bit more weight than some crazy, you know, lunatic idea. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. So if you guys see stories in there and you're like, Hey, why, you know, why'd you pick this Florida story, but you're not picking this. Um, you know, I, I go through them. I try to get a, a good wide variety of different stories for you guys. So. Yeah. Apparently we're missing something in Arizona because Deborah's asking us about Arizona. Uh, you know, it, it, you're right, Matthew. I mean, I, we've had some things locally here in Colorado where, uh, uh, some of our sheriff's office and things have decided not to process permits or whatnot uh, while things were kind of shut down through COVID-19 and all. Uh, but yeah, we, we just, we, we can't quite talk about everything. There just isn't time. And there's also a lot of things that we miss. I try to keep my finger on the pulse of, you know, second amendment stuff going on across America, but uh, it's impossible to stay on top of everything. It just, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, switching now over to New Mexico, Matthew, tell us about uh, the story there. Yeah, so this is from uh, Amoland, uh, but it comes from the NRA ILA page as well. Um, so it says NRA 1, the rights of law binding New Mexicans to purchase a firearm and go to the range have been vindicated. 
uh, in April, back in April, the NRA, along with New Mexico Shooting Sports Association, Second Amendment Foundation, Firearms Policy Coalition, and Mountain States Legal Foundation, filed suit in federal court against Governor Michelle Luan, L-U-J-A-N, yeah. Luan Grisham. I, I <laughs> uh, and this has they're, they're always by the way they're always very like i don't know if this is a thing with her but it seems like every story i come across with governor grisham that, that they're very careful to make sure they they list her whole name yeah i'm not and it's not a hyphenated name nor i mean i, I get the hyphenated i, know, I don't know but i don't know governor grisham governor grisham uh um, governor michelle yeah, right, right. So uh, this also has to do with the COVID-19 thing where uh, in New Mexico, they closed down uh, gun stores, right? And so basically in this uh, this decision, it said uh, gun stores are no different than any other store and that you must allow them to reopen. And uh it's it's a it's a huge thing. It may not seem like a big deal, but it is a really huge thing um, because you see how you know you kind of alluded to it or made a joke like, oh, just COVID nineteen. We'll put a COVID nineteen thing up, and we can kind of change all the all the rules, right? Like any any legal precedents or anything, kind of put it off the side and just preempt it with COVID nineteen. And you guys need to understand that you know we're just going to do this, and we might not be able to, but COVID nineteen. And so, you know, because they're going about it the right way and filing these these lawsuits and things, um, now there are some precedents on the books to say, hey, you can't do this. You can't just blanket, you know, uh, uh, make these changes uh, and, and just kind of say, yeah, it, 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 this is a, you know, a, an unknown thing that we're facing and w- we've never faced this before. So I'm just going to act un- unilaterally and you got to got to deal with it. Um, so it's a it's, it is a pretty big victory, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, this has been. I don't think we've seen the end of it as far as uh, lawsuits and things coming up in various places across the country because there's been all kinds of things shut down all over the place. And I'm not just talking about Second Amendment related businesses, uh, but certainly that's been a big, big, big concern. I mean, geez, we had ranges closed down here in Colorado. Uh, gun stores that you know temporarily had to close for a time uh, while they tried to comply with various state standards and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, crazy, crazy times. Uh, I I still can't even really get into my indoor range because you know they still are limited to only having so many people in the store at one time. That and they're only really taking uh, range appointments. Uh, and I. I, you know, they have a whole online login system. You can go on and reserve a, a, a lane and a time and a day and all that stuff. And there was one day a week or two ago, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just run down to my local indoor range like I'm accustomed to sometimes. Maybe, you know, like on a lunch break sort of kind of thing, you know, because I, I, I sometimes do that during the middle of the day. And uh, I go in there and I'm like, I'm looking at the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Today's Tuesday. Okay. All right. One and then I realize. Yeah, I was on Tuesday or whatever day it was, but it was like two or three weeks out in the future. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the actual date, you know? Right, and I was right. like, I'm not going to know exactly in two or three weeks if at that specific time on such and such day that I'm going to be good to go to the go to the range, you know? Like, hmm. So I've, I've given up on like trying to get into the range until they until there's no restrictions because it's so restricted right now. You, you, you just can't get in there really uh, in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, 
So, you know, anyway, crazy, crazy time. All right. Let's move over to Louisiana. Uh, so this is one kind of current ongoing situation where we've got Governor Edwards of Louisiana has a couple of pro-gun measures. Uh, actually, so Matthew, we should double check that there's not an update on this story because this was as of the 10th of June. And apparently these had a, a deadline that expired over the weekend. We're past mm. the weekend now. I think he, you know, I think he did sign them. I, I think I recall seeing, I'm trying to pull it up. Yep. But let me highlight what these bills are. They're all pro-gun bills. Uh, House Bill 746, sponsored by Representative Ray Gar- Garofalo, uh, allows those who lawfully possess a firearm to carry concealed for self-defense during a mandatory evacuation under a declared state of emergency or disaster. And this is, boy, this is a, a touchy-feely thing there for the folks of Louisiana that have been there, done that. You go back to 2005 with Hurricane Katrina, where, uh, I mean, they were doing gun seizures in, in some parishes there uh, in the New Orleans area. Uh, you know, people having to evacuate the area. And then, you know, like there's this concern that, well, in the course of that evacuation and panic and everything that's going on, and there is crime that that occurs during those kind of situations. Well, people ought to be able to be, they, they, people ought to be able to carry a gun and lawfully defend themselves, even concealed if necessary, uh, temporarily during this mandatory evacuation. This is a very, very important thing, I think, for the people of Louisiana because it's it's very much more likely that that's going to happen to them again. Louis, places like Louisiana, Houston, anywhere along uh, in these coastal regions where these, these massive hurricanes can just wipe communities out and force people to retreat and evacuate you know, hundreds of miles away or whatever. So uh, House Bill 746, Sounds like a good one to me. House Bill 781, sponsored by Representative Blake McGez. In case people don't know, Blake McGez is a like pro-level, top-level competitive shooter. Been shooting for a long time since he was like a kid and still competes, uh, even at like the nationals and things when he's able to and, and performs at a very high level, even though he's also busy being a state legislator and a uh, uh, representative in the state of Louisiana. Uh, This bill establishes that firearms and ammunition manufacturers, distributors, wholesalers, suppliers, and retailers are essential businesses that shall not be prohibited from conducting business during a declared disaster or emergency. Boy, I agree with you there, Blake. House Bill 781 further prevents law-abiding gun owners' rights from being infringed during proclaimed curfews. Also very relevant considering recent riots and curfews. I mean, we were under a week-long curfew. I say we. Denver was. I don't live in Denver, but but Denver had a, a curfew for five or six days straight. Uh, House Bill 140, sponsored again by Representative Miguez, pre- prevents local authorities and municipalities from imposing restrictions to prohibit the possession of a firearm. Preemption legislation is designed to stop municipalities from creating a patchwork of different laws that turn a law-abiding citizen into a criminal for simply crossing a jurisdictional line. I wish this could be strengthened because we have a supposed preemption statute in Colorado, but it's been weakened and destroyed by our state uh, Supreme Court here um, because this is such such an issue. People don't realize, like, if you look at the boundaries of the city and county of Denver, it is so crazy and convoluted. For the longest time I lived here and had no idea 
that on a regular basis, I crossed about a 500 foot <laughs> stretch of Denver that stretched, that reached across a major thoroughfare, you know, street. Um, so we could go in and annex and grab in this one little area that's way out. I mean, it's not even close to like Denver proper. Um, but that's just the way some of these boundary lines and things get drawn sometimes. And so, you know what? If I got an AR-15 in my vehicle and a 30-round magazine and I drive down that street and for 500 feet I cross through the city and county of Denver, in that moment I'm technically breaking their laws. Just trying to trans- go from point A to point B. And to go around, I got to take a five-mile detour. Stupid. Yeah. Sounds like a good bill, Blake. Uh, Governor Edwards, I hope, you, um, and Matthew hopefully has got an update for us at this point. We'll see. Yeah. House Bill 334, last one, just so everybody knows what we had here. Sponsored by representatives Brian Fontenot, Blake McGez, and Charles Owen. Authorize a concealed handgun permit holder to carry a concealed handgun in a church synagogue, mosque, or other similar place of worship with permission from church leadership. Because I believe Louisiana right now just has uh, places of worship listed as gun-free zones. I think Mm -hmm. that's the relevance of this particular Mm -hmm. house bill. All right, what's the update? So update as of today at noon, uh, it says the governor signed two of the three bills. Um, the third one, uh, it is HB 781. He said, it says the governor hasn't indicated his intentions on house bill 781. Um, and that one 781 has to do with, uh, that's the one that basically establishes the firearms and ammunition manufacturers, distributors, wholesalers, right. suppliers, and retailers as essential businesses. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know what's so controversial about that, Governor Edwards. Yeah. So uh, not really sure. It doesn't, it doesn't go into exactly why, what his holdup is with that. Um, but, but yeah, that's so as of today at noon, two of the three have been signed and just waiting for him maybe to sign the third. Who knows? Um, so which ones has he signed so far? House bill, uh, I believe 140, HB 140 and 334. Okay, so 140 um, is the one that uh, uh, is, is supposed to prohibit municipalities from passing laws that are stricter than the state standards. 334 is the one about houses of worship. Right, that passed. And then House Bill 781 also um, passed. It's only... 781 that didn't pass or 781 that didn't get signed. Did, did, well, yes, correct. Everything, correct. Is passed. My everything my I bad. covered was passed. Correct. It's a question of whether it got signed correct. into law by the governor or not. Right. He did not sign clear it. clear on our, yes, sir. On uh, how our government works. <laughs> yeah. So it was passed. All, all four of them were passed. The third, the, the fourth ones, uh, HB 781 was not signed into law. So, yet. so was 746 then signed? Correct. So it's lawful then, for conceal for someone to carry concealed for self defense during a mandatory evacuation. That's what it seems like in, in this article. So okay. that's as of today at noon. Awesome. From the advocate, I'll drop a so, link into the. So th- sounds like three out of the, the four bills then signed mm-hmm. uh, into law by Governor Edwards, but he's still holding off on signing 781, which would just simply declare gun and ammunition related businesses as being essential businesses during a emergency or disaster 
Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll t- uh, hey, I'm, I'm happy these other ones got got signed. That's that's fantastic. Um, and I was just double checking something here. Yes. So according to, and I'm using the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, our our free app went right to the Louisiana portion of of the laws. And it says right there under prohibited places that it's any church, synagogue, mosque, or similar place of worship. So that House Bill 334 uh, should repeal that and turn that around to where Louisianians, or whatever you call them, Louisians, Louisi, whatever, uh, <laughs> Louisians uh, can now carry in, in how, well, uh, there's a lot of times with these kind of things, there'll be a date when something will go into effect. Um, but at some point here in the near future, According to what we're seeing here in the reporting, you will be able to carry in a house of worship with permission. Let's be clear on that from church leadership. So, right on. Not you know, not perfect. You know, I'd rather it just be like whatever you know. But uh, but you you got to have permission apparently from church leadership. So that's better than nothing. Yeah, that's very similar to how states like Nebraska are set up, where you uh, basically it's a prohibited area uh, unless you have permission from from the pastor or leader of the church or house worship okay good stuff thanks for the update on that matthew yep yep let's go now to this is not really a legislative thing so but it's just kind of fun to talk about presidential candidate joe biden is on record of having said, of course, everyone knows him for, you know, the shotgun comment to blast into the air. That, you know, <laughs> that be all you need. Um, but uh, he, this last week, he said something to the effect of officers should train to shoot attackers in the leg instead of the heart. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, nobody was ever shot or ser- seriously wounded by being shot in the leg. No. Nobody no. died from being shot or stabbed or having their femoral artery severed. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's interesting, and we kind of included this, and obviously it's not uh, a legislative type thing, but uh, with, with you know it's sometimes it's hard to to, to actually categorize these types of stories, and uh, since we're talking about laws and and repealing certain things, and um, and you know the. I, I think it's interesting to understand the thought process and, and I, I understand the idea of somebody who is a not, is a lay person and thinks that anytime you shoot somebody, the intent is to kill that person. I think that's kind of the lay person's idea of, right. you know, whether police shoot somebody or you as a concealed carrier defending yourself, they believe the goal is to completely eliminate that person's life. And we know in the listeners, I'm sure, you know, um, that's not the goal. The goal is to save our lives or somebody else's by stopping that person from continuing that attack. And once they stop, we don't have a moral or a legal justification to continue to use deadly force against that person. Um, but it's interesting because that comes across and these are the people that are are proposing legislation on a national scale. I mean, this is a presidential candidate who who is going to who is looking through the lens of any time somebody uses a firearm, it is only to kill somebody. And so you can kind of see why the legislation that these people are proposing 
uh, is, is focused that way. And, and it's interesting if you, if you hear what, um, I'll, I'll just read you a quick quote, and this is kind of the most charged quote in the, in his whole, uh, you know, statement that he, he made. Uh, but this is quoting Joe Biden quote, instead of standing there and teaching a cop when there's an unarmed person coming at them with a knife or something, comma, shoot them in the leg instead of the heart. So, for, he, he's kind of conflating some, he's saying instead of somebody shooting an unarmed person that happens to be holding a knife, right? So like they're not, they're no longer unarmed if they have a knife, right? Like we can argue distances and, you know, are they actively trying to harm you with the knife, right? A butter knife versus some huge, you know, uh steak knife or something that they're trying to chop you up with. But um, somebody who's holding a knife is definitely uh, capable of harming you in certain circumstances and distances and things. And, uh, that is not an unarmed person. And so, uh, it, it just shows the, the ac- actual lack of understanding of how difficult it is to actually, uh, shoot somebody who's attacking you and not miss and accidentally shoot an innocent person and harm them. So it's just, it shows an absolute ignorance to gun laws, how guns work, the, it, the whole, the whole topic and these are the people that are legislating. So I think we we owe ourselves, um, you know, uh, it, it's important to 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 get in the minds of these people and understand what what they're thinking uh, when they when they propose this, this legislation. Yeah, so that's kind of why I threw it in there. So hope that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> so great comments, by the way, from our viewers on YouTube today, uh, Casey and Andrew, uh, actually getting us set straight on the record here. Uh, and I didn't finish reading the whole thing here with a bunch of small print. Uh, but basically it sounds like it has been legal to carry in a, in a house of worship um, prior to now. Uh, but uh, there had to be permission given by the church. Uh, and it also apparently the, the um, congregation also had to be notified. Uh, but this would, would re- change it to where you'd only have to have permission and that you, it would eliminate essentially the, uh, notifying the entire congregation of hey riley's carrying a gun so you all know <laughs> and that's assuming i understood the the comments from andrew and, and casey correctly here and of course sounds like you know like in, to casey's point she she says that uh she says that she's in louisiana and knew we could carry in church we even had our carriers go through trauma training at church uh our congregation knows that there are people who carry them i mean it sounds like particularly you're probably going to have churches that that are a lot more open to the idea and maybe even have an established security team or even supporting that security team, maybe training that security team. And it's just going to become a lot more of a, of a acceptable thing in some congregations that, Oh, Hey, we've got people carrying guns. Um, may not be true of every congregation. So, uh, thanks for the clarification guys. All right. Um, yeah. So Joe Biden, yeah, uh, he, he he's known to you know stick stick his foot in his mouth and say some pretty silly things. Uh, you know, wants to take away our AR-14s, yeah. stuff like that. He can take those. Yeah, but uh, I mean, so obviously these comments are coming as a result of this recent unrest uh, s- surrounding the George Floyd incident in M- Minneapolis and. And of course, we just had this shooting in Georgia the other day as well. And I don't even put that in the same category, by the way. Um, 
not to necessarily go there, but you had a situation where a man grabbed an officer's taser as they were trying to arrest, actually cuff him. He managed to break free. That is the most dangerous time, by the way. And I think, Matthew, you would agree with me. When you're handling suspects is, is when you're trying to get those cuffs actually on. And that sometimes you're, you're dealing with a suspect that they're, they're like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll turn around. Okay, yeah, I'll put my hands up, my hands behind my back. Okay, yep, all right, all good. And then you start getting that cuff, whether it's the sound of that cuff coming out of the pouch, whether that it's the first cold metal making contact with their wrist, and then all of a sudden, boom, right in that moment, like that's, that's the moment where if they're going to break, they're going to break right then. That's what essentially happened in this case. Uh, and, and the uh, suspect managed to, to fight with the officer, get a hold of his taser. Uh, he then, the suspect started running away. The officer's chasing, and the suspect turned around with the taser, pointed at the cop, and fired it. And so the cop shot him. All right. Um, that is a totally different story and situation than George Floyd. But we're, we're lumping them all in together. Anyway, according to pres- vice former pre- Vice President Biden, he thinks we should shoot for the legs instead of the hearts uh, because that's going to be so, oh, so much better. And then when we miss the legs and it skips off the ground and hits poor little Sally on her tricycle half of a block down the street, um, that will be so, oh, so much better than if we just shot the bad guy in the chest in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Makes sense. No, obviously it's crazy talk, and, and it's it's talk that uh, I've seen a lot of crazy things suggested in recent weeks about how police officers should be doing their job. And I understand there's imperfections and there's imperfect officers. Uh, there's there are mistakes that are made, and where mistakes are made, they should be dealt with. Justice should be served. People should be charged. Right. But the perception of public about the job that police do is is not very often accurate um, of, of what the, the job is actually that's done, how officers actually do their job, how they need to do their job to maintain safety, not just for them, but for others. It's a complex issue, but it's not so simply going to be solved by teaching officers to shoot the legs. Yeah. And, and, and on your point, I, I think there's a great conversation to talk about. Uh, I mean, that could be a podcast. That could be, it, it is a podcast and a lot of you know podcasts, but uh, of what can police improve on? What what can we do? Uh, what can we improve on? I, I, I think that's a great conversation, but you can't have it with people that have no clue about what they're talking about. Right. Like so it, those jumping into the conversation need to have. I wouldn't jump into a a forum with uh, heart doctors or neurosurgeons and start telling them what I think they should do when they're cutting open somebody's brain, right? Like that's just out of my league. I don't understand it. I can look at it and say, why are you using a saw to cut this dude's skull open? That looks like really bad. And they say, (laughs) that's how we do it, right? Like that. And so you can have a discussion about things, uh, but you got to understand. And obviously there's, when we see politicians that have not the, the basic clue of what they're talking about is very difficult to trust those people in putting forth the legislation. And that's when you have 
groups, lobbying groups that write the legislation for them. They say they give it a good spiel. They shine it up. And the legislator who has been elected doesn't do any research. They say, okay, sounds good to me. I don't know any different. And they sign it. And that's how we get crazy, poor legislation on both sides, whatever Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, that's how it works. And so we got to get our, we got to expect more, I think, from our leadership too, uh, because they're, they're the legislation, they're the, the legislators, they're the most powerful branch of government, I think. Um, so that's my spiel. Yep. <laughs> right on, man. Good stuff. All right. <clears throat> Let's get now to our final story in this legislative update episode. This one comes to us from Fox News. Uh, says the title is Thomas Kavanaugh, uh, the two Supreme Court justices, lament decade-long failure to protect the Second Amendment. What we have here is that on Monday, yesterday, that is, this is this is brand spanking new news. Uh, there's a number of cases in lower courts all across the country. Uh, we covered something similar like a month or two ago as well when they refused to take up another case. Uh, but uh, there's all these cases. And in the case of one situation that deals with a, an individual who apparently they're an ATM service worker, it says. They take care of machines in high crime areas. This is a high risk job, right? ATMs are a target for criminals. Uh you as an individual going to service those ATM machines are a target for those criminals. And so this individual was denied a concealed carry permit in the state of New Jersey because some bureaucrat sitting in a desk somewhere said, no, that's not good enough reason for this person to get a permit. That's the crappy part, the, the sucky side of states where you have where it's a may issue state as opposed to a shall issue state, right? Shall issue state does not require you to show a just or valid enough cause for you to want to have a concealed carry permit. You just simply say, I want one. Thank you very much. Right. Well, in New Jersey, you got to show just cause why you need to have that permit. And, uh, the New Jersey bureaucrats decided it was not a good enough reason for this man or woman. We don't know exactly the, the sex of the individual. Apparently uh, this person is not allowed to get a permit. So this case uh, went all the way to the Supreme court, the Supreme court yesterday, along with nine other cases decided not to hear that case. Supreme court justices, Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh admonished their fellow justices for letting su- su- second amendment cases languish in the lower courts in a dissent, the tribunal's decision not to take up these cases. Uh, really powerful quotes here from their dissent. It says here that, uh, and this is r- remarkable, uh, uh, very strong words. It's also incredibly succinct and accurate, I think. Justice Thomas wrote this. This court would almost certainly review the constitutionality of a law requiring citizens to establish a justifiable need before exercising their free speech rights. And it seems highly unlikely that the court would allow a state to enforce a law requiring a woman to provide a justifiable need before seeking an abortion. 
But today, faced with a petition challenging just such a restriction on a citizen's Second Amendment rights, the court simply looks the other way. Powerful, well-worded. Mm-hmm. Um, Justice Thomas also de- detailed a backlog of similar cases in the lower courts that have led to split decisions on what restrictions a state may place on a person seeking a permit to carry a gun in public. Again, quoting from Justice Thomas, the court of appeals are squarely divided on the constitutionality of these onerous, justifiable need or good cause restrictions. The DC circuit has held that a law limiting public carry a law limiting public carry to those with a good reason to fear injury to their person or property violates the second amendment. He said, by contrast, the first, second, third, and fourth circuits have upheld the constitutionality of licensing schemes with justifiable need or good reason requirements, applying what purported to be an intermediate, an intermediate scrutiny standard. Such a split between the courts is generally one of the most compelling reasons for the Supreme Court to take up a case, and it is actually laid out in the tribunal's official rule book. That's exactly, this is like, this is the job of the court, is when you have multiple federal courts, circuit courts, that you have these ones here that say this thing, and these ones here that say this other thing that is diametrically opposed and the job of the Supreme Court is to settle those issues, especially especially where it is a not a local issue, but a situation dealing with the Second Amendment that affects everybody everywhere. So I am uh, extremely disappointed. I am appalled the Supreme Court has refused to do their job. I suspect a lot of this has to do with uh, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, who I think, even though there's, it's not for sure known this, I think he has flipped a little bit on the Second Amendment. In the last 10 years, I think Justice Roberts has gone a little bit more uh, to the side of the, of the liberal justices in the court on the issue of the Second Amendment. Because Justice Roberts, excuse me, Chief Justice Roberts did vote with the majority in the Heller and McDonald cases. Mm-hmm. But every, ever since then, it seems that, I don't know if he's regretted those decisions. I don't know if he's just changed his mind on things. I don't know if there's some other personal criteria that he just, that we don't know about that, you know, that where some of those cases met the criteria, but for him, these latest cases do not. But it would seem that the reason these were not taken up is because there was not enough, you know, support on the side of the conservative justices to hear these cases. Yeah, and and you know, I, and and this is speculation, and I, I'm you know, obviously, I don't have an inside knowledge on uh, on what's going through his mind, but uh, I, you know, uh, Chief Justice, I. I, I think when you've been on, it, there's a tendency probably when you're a, a Supreme Court justice and you've been, uh, you're the Supreme, you know, you're the chief Supreme Court justice. You've been there for, uh, you know, several decades and you see the, the the slow process of how legislation works, right? Like you see a problem and you want to fix it and, but you have to wait for 
this process of government to play through and you have to play by the rules. You have to stay in the box and you may agree with something, but they don't present it in the correct way or they make a, a, a you know, not a legal uh, argument or whatever. And you have to say, although I agree, I can't hear this case or I must rule against you. And I think maybe after time, some, I think the tendency is probably to lean more like, you know what, like, it's it takes so long to get legislation passed and it takes all the uh, we might be able to help society fix this problem by led by you know ruling this way leaning this way even though it's not a constitutionally based decision and and i think that might just be a a natural tendency as as you get older to to want to help i mean I think we we all you know he probably has a, a heart to say I want to see society get better you know, um, it, but I don't know and, and like I said it's pure speculation, um, but it, it definitely is a problem when the Supreme Court, which is supposed to just you know take the the, the law and, and look at it without any lens, and I know it's hard as human beings, but they are specifically appointed for that purpose to to take off all the lenses. And, and um, I think when when we start having them legislate, it, it's it's a bad problem. But good thing is, is there are several cases that are going to have to be decided. I mean, I, I think it's inevitable, right? Like they can only kick these down the down the road so long and let let the states battle it out and let people, you know, be arrested for stuff that's clearly unconstitutional. But because of you know, the jurisdiction that they, that court may f- fall into, they find that it's okay. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it, it's inevitable that something is going to happen and, and they're going to have to rule and it's going to be huge. It's going to have huge effects. Yeah. You know, you, we recently covered that uh, New York case that the Supreme court did not take up. Mm-hmm. And I think it was even Kavanaugh that went with the, uh, majority opinion in that one, yep. you know, to, to just, you know, in the decision not to hear that case. And he said, he's like in, in his statement, Hey, there are some things we are going to have to take up. This is not the case, but there mm-hmm. are some things coming that we're going to have to, to look at and, and evaluate. Uh, and I think that's why Kavanaugh joined uh, Thomas in this dissent, uh, you know, in saying, I, I think because Kavanaugh probably thought, you know, knowing these things were coming, you know, the some of these cases, or at least one of these really critical cases, was going to be one of those cases that they were going to have to make it a decision on. And uh, you know, here we did not. Now, in the case of that New York one, right? That one, I kind of, you know, I, it's kind of like okay, I I kind of get it because what what kicked that one off was a was a a law in New York City, right? That New York City backed away from, uh, and and then re- repealed. Right. And so the, by the time it got to Supreme Court, Supreme Court was like, well, New York City backed off of that. We could talk about this. We could, you know, just make a decision on this, but it's, you know, it's specific to the situation that that that, it, that situation no longer really exists. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect also, too, and, and this could be part of Justice Roberts, hmm, maybe his own personal uh, criteria, if you will to to you know get on board with taking up or hearing a case uh maybe he's looking for something that's a what that's a lot more narrow right a lot you know a lot more specific um you have to remember in the case of the heller case it was a very specific situation 
right? That was very specific to the District of Columbia. And it wasn't until the McDonald case that we then basically took, you know, the Heller case was applied in the McDonald case and that then applied McDonald everywhere, right? Um, as far as that individual right. So, you know, that you have to kind of look at it in that way and go, well, maybe there's some things here, but but maybe the court's feeling like it's not narrow enough. You know, Heller, again, was a very narrow decision. It had a very narrow application, at least at first. And so, um, man, I don't know. I mean, like to your point, you, you said that they, they have to make a decision on some of these things. Well, I would have thought that based on the fact you have multiple lower courts with varying degrees of decisions on similar matters, the lower courts are in conflict with, with one another. And I guess the Supreme Court's okay with that for now, for the time being. So depending on which district you're in, there's a, there's a different standard yeah. where it comes to the Second Amendment. And that shouldn't, that shouldn't be, I mean. And, and on something as broad as the Second Amendment is, it should not be that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm super, I'm super for states' rights, right? Like I, I, I'm, and I'm probably, you know, you, you probably agree. And a lot of listeners probably agree. States' rights are important, right? Like we don't want a super overarching federal government that controls every single aspect of every single thing we do. That, that But when it's something that's protected in the constitution and it's, it's specific and it's pretty clear um, when you have district courts, uh, you know, conflicting with one another, then you have different standards of the actual like constitution within the United States. And I don't, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, it's not like it's a law, like marijuana or something, right? Like we can argue states' rights and federal, how they, like, that's different. We're talking about a constitution. There's nothing in the constitution the bill of rights, it says you can smoke weed. Right. So we, we can argue about states' rights and all that stuff. That's a totally different topic, but like something that's spelled out in the constitution, the bill of rights and afforded to everybody. If, if different jurisdictions um, can take a different application of that, then what's to say they couldn't take a different application of the first amendment or the fourth amendment right. say, Hey, w- w- you know, our, our, our uh, district courts say Fourth Amendment is not is kind of up, up in the air. We don't really, you know, we're not really going for that. So we can search certain things. We can search a car without consent. Well, nobody's going to be for that. But the Second Amendment is one of those things that it's just been kicked down the road. It gets, and I, it gets a it gets a pass, you yeah. know. From it's treated very differently mm-hmm. than all these other amendments are. Especially in the case of First Amendment, and and, and I, you know, and I believe Justice uh, Thomas's words about what a woman, you know, we we would most certainly take up a case if it came before us where a woman was forced to show just or good cause to get an abortion, and and you know darn well you know where that would go in the courts um, because of Roe v. Wade. But yet, in the case of something that's so very clearly delineated in the Second Amendment, man, these just cause or need uh, situations are just unreal to me, and I, I it make it makes me sad uh, mm-hmm. to those of us and uh, you know in our audience, you know, those of you that uh, follow us and that listen to the podcast that live in some of these jurisdictions where being able to properly carry a, a, any weapon of your choice, frankly to defend yourself with as you see fit 
you know, in the case of a threat to your life, it's a shame. It's a true, true shame and a tragedy. Well, um, I don't think, you know, this is over yet. And I also think that uh, this next presidential election will be very telling uh, in that, uh, frankly, I'm surprised that uh, we haven't had to replace Justice Ginsburg yet, right? I really do not see her living through another full presidential term or being able to function on the court. For well, she, yeah, four years. she's had cancer. I mean, and I, let me let me preface this by saying I don't wish any harm on anybody, and right, I hope of course. she's healthy. And and I don't wish any harm. It's just that she's old. She's been there a long time. Like right, the day will come that it's that her job there is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. I, I and I know you, I, you echo this same sentiment, but um, you know we don't wish any ill will, but you have to that is being calculated into this upcoming presidential election. And I know we're not talking about politics and everything, but I, I think that, that the powers that be that are in the government right now are looking at this and saying a, a, a president comes every four years, right? But chief justices or justices are lifetime appointments and the, uh, the effect that a, a, a appointment to the Supreme court or two makes far outweighs even a second term, uh, you know, of a president. So as much as you might hate the president, you know, uh, they have checks and balances. uh, And if they do an executive order, the next president comes, wipes it out. But uh, if you have a, an activist or a legislating justice, uh, that is very easy way to change change things without even an election right like right so i don't know it, right. it's it's it is something that's in the calculation well you know and mark here is commenting in the facebook comments that uh, she's not the only vote against the 2a yeah that's true uh but on on the court you know she is not a friend of the second amendment never has been and uh she is the most likely next justice to need to be replaced. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, that, that would be assuming that an appropriate recommendation, right. Was uh, to be put in her place, meaning a pro second amendment justice who would change the whole face of the court as it relates to the second amendment in a big way. And again, yeah, I don't wish any harm or, or or anything on anybody, but but I just I don't see her remaining on the court much longer, and so this next election will be very telling as far as what happens, what the future of that court looks like. All right, love Trump, hate Trump, I don't care. I based on comments that we have from Joe Biden, that's the that's the other alternative. It's not likely we get pro. Two a justices on the courts and I, court. I say courts plural because if you're a friend of the Second Amendment, don't forget that Trump has appointed many pro two a justices to the federal courts all across mm-hmm. the country that will have a positive effect in terms of the Second Amendment for all of us for a long time to come, and he's had a positive effect. I believe overall in the Supreme court with his picks as it relates to second amendment. And I hope maybe there'll be one more chance 
at least for the the safety and sanctity of the Second Amendment, that uh, that that we'll we'll be able to finally resolve some of these long standing issues with regards to the Second Amendment, protecting it properly, defining it as I believe our our founders really truly intended. So, yeah, uh, Mark. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Ginsburg, as you, you've never seen her as an activist judge, okay, but but she doesn't. She's not going to go the, the the way of the Second Amendment. Uh, just that that has not been the history with her. So it, it is what it is. So anyway, we'll just see what happens. Well, um, that brings us to the conclusion of another Concealed Carry podcast episode. We do need to pick this week's winners of our weekly giveaway. Matthew, if you'll spool up the software as <laughs> the picking. Yep. I'm Again, giving up. away uh, one of these concealedcarry.com tactical pens. All right. So one of you will be a lucky winner. Guys, don't forget it by signing up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize each week. Opportunities to win free stuff sharing and following all the different or, or I guess basically pursuing all the different uh, options or opportunities in the weekly giveaway increases your odds or chances of being the winner. Okay. You get additional entries when you, you know, share different things or like our pages or whatever, all that stuff that's, that's available in those options there. So yeah. Uh, Matthew, are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I'm ready, sir. So here's the drum roll. Matthew will do the picking. I will do the drum rolling. Of the tactical pen is first name is Brenton. Brenton, you've won. We will email you. Um, And yeah, we'll ask for your email or your uh, address and shoot it over to us and we'll send out your pen. Awesome. Congratulations, Brenton. Uh, And what is our... Can you preview for us the uh, prize for this next coming week? Yes, and it's going to dovetail nicely into Thursday's episode. We're giving away one month of LASR-X. Nice. Yeah. So one free month of L- of LaserX. That's the software that I use for dry fire training uh, that I think is very, very, very awesome. So chance to win a free month of their latest and greatest, most amazing, awesomest updated software. Make sure you sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Well, there we have it. Another episode. That's a wrap. Another one in the books. Matthew, thank you, yes. brother, for being here with me. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who is listening and commenting. And it's, it's great. Uh, we love your comments and we really appreciate it. Yeah. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.